This isn't a good cold open. Uh, <laughs> let's start the episode. <laughs> remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to Ruthette. I've been meaning to listen to Ruthette. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Why don't you come over and talk about it? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I've Been Meaning to Listen to That. Yeah. The podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use it as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I so, swear to God, you drag that out like more excruciatingly every time. <laughs> that's that's my brand, just like dragging things out like as excruciatingly <laughs> as possible. Um, well, this this is like really really exciting. I'm very excited for this. Uh, these guests here, um, they are. Performers at the UCB in Hell's Kitchen, and they have this show called Shameful, which uh, just finished its run at the UCB. It's Kathleen Cameron and Tess Ritchie, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Um, thank you so much for doing the show. Um, I said this before, but like I haven't said this on recording. Uh, I saw your show in New York uh, in August and uh, thought... Hey, like the, these, like these guys have like a really cool perspective on things. These guys are really cool and like very charismatic. And um, we just wanted to have you on. So thank you, thank, thank you, you so. Oh my gosh! Yes, thank you. Thank you for the kind words. It was also like a level of like because I commented on your Instagram page saying like, "Hey, I liked your show. Good job." And then you guys, like Kathleen, at least like followed me. I was like, <laughs> "Oh God!" Like. I got. I have to justify this online friendship by like capitalizing. <laughs> so got to churn some content out of it. Like. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's about the content, baby. It's about. It's all about the clicks. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your show, Shameful, which is the sequ- is it the sequel to Shameless, the Showtime show? Oh no, no it what? is not. <laughs> like I had that like locked and loaded. I was like this is good. Like I, I workshopped this. I workshopped this. Show. I could tell that you were leading up to it because you've been uh, like emphasizing full shameful. Uh, your show, uh, shame. Your show, shameful. It's like a really incredible show. Um, what made you guys want to talk about shame as like the central like thesis of the show in a sense? Well, yeah. back when we were brainstorming ideas for a show, this is back mm-hmm. in college when we were first starting collaborating. Yeah, we in 2014. Yes. In a class, we, we both studied musical theater and in one of our like voice classes, you know, where you sit on the floor and you, you know, meditate and then, you, you know, make noises and roll around. Yeah. Our teacher played us the audio of Brene Brown's TED talk about shame and vulnerability. Yeah. And it Dairy really struck us so good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so good, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen it too. I really love it as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, really fell in love with Brene Brown and, and shame. And we were like really into it. And then we thought, let's make a show surrounding this concept, but where things go horribly wrong Mm -hmm. and we just end up feeling terrible about ourselves. And working with a director, our our director, Leslie Mizell, she helped us shape it into this kind of like our own Ted talk. It's kind of structured like Mm -hmm. a self-help kind of presentation where we say that we have a a five-step process to eliminate yourself of shame. Yeah. And so throughout the show, you'll find out if it is possible to get rid of shame, you know, if maybe you should have shame. I don't know. Yeah. So So definitely we, we have a message at the end Mm -hmm. um, that goes along with Brene Brown's theories. Um, But we have some fun along the way making ourselves feel super shameful and terrible about all of our truths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I recently, speaking of Brene Brown, I uh, was listening to her on Oprah's podcast. Ooh, I know. Very, uh, yeah. And she 
she like defines shame to Oprah as uh, like the feeling that you're not worthy of love and belonging. <gasps> oh my God, that cuts deep. That really does. And I feel like there's a difference between shame and guilt. Yeah. Because I, I feel like shame is more insidious and mm. less constructive than guilt, which mm. I feel like it has a social purpose. You know, guilt makes you like want to better yourself and shame mm. just want, makes you want to like hide in a hole. You know? mm-hmm. Well, speaking of guilt, uh, we're here to talk about um, Taylor Swift, um, which is like really exciting. Um, we uh, so, yeah, we just like uh, we called you guys up to talk about Taylor Swift. Um, what are your preconceived notions on Taylor Swift. You make that sound like we just ambushed them with this podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, we kind of did. Now. We kind of did. Like, <laughs> um, like, what? What are your? Um, what are your preconceived notions on Taylor Swift herself? And what are your preconceived notions on um, Lover, the record itself? Um, so I feel like, like my first thought when I think of Taylor Swift is like, as bad as it feels to say it, it feels like basic white girl pop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she really knows how to write very catchy hooks. Like, and I, I particularly out of like all of her stuff, I really liked her earlier stuff. Like back when she was like country singer, I loved like our song is slam screen door. You know that song? <laughs> um, yes. And I think she's really made a, a career for herself, both in the lyrics and in her like public image of like being a victim Mm. both in like the lyrics in terms of like you know like you belong with me and she's like I'm not a cheerleader but you know I'm so cool and then Mm -hmm. you know with the Kanye West thing starting from there and then like always being kind of victimized or capitalizing on that in her fans basically what I think is that she's a public image wise at least she's basically like built by committee it feels like very like corporate Mm. and and everything has been thought yes, before. Yes, yes, I totally agree Calculated. with that. Yeah, I, I feel a little, like, manipulated by, by Taylor Swift. I feel like I, like, I should, people think that I would like her because I'm a basic bitch. Um, but... It, for some reason, I don't know if it's like because it's like holding a mirror up to me or something like that. <laughs> but I do, I feel manipulated by her. You know, um, I kind of when I first um, heard about her, I thought that she was like this small town girl who like got like somehow miraculously got this big break and like what a cool thing. And then I found out she was an heiress. And, you know, it's, yeah, I feel like her music is very corporate. And I've just always kind of rejected her. Um, and my preconceived notions about the album, I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to hate every single song on this album, but I didn't. <gasps> that's a sign. That's like, that's a sign that this episode can be salvaged. I'm kidding. Um, no, um, yeah, like I guess Ezra and I, we should kind of go through like a little bit of our preconceived notions a little bit. Um, for me, it's always been kind of like, uh, I remember back in high school, the girl I would like, I had a huge like crush on who was like very tall. Um, I don't know why I added that detail, but like, um, she, like, um she was very tall and scary. Like, I, I um, that's the type of tone that you took. I feel like I, I used to have like this thing for like people who are taller than me. Like, it's not as big of a deal as like when I was in high school, at least when I was like a little shorter kid, I used to like, <laughs> I, I like what like kissing a girl who was taller than me being it it being like a baby giraffe like reaching for a branch or anything like that so mm. yeah, um. yeah. <laughs> like um so anyways um i um so like um but like i remember she had a huge thing for taylor swift and like she kept like um you know, we were we were like um, we were friends for we were we were friends in high school, and like um, she kept like saying like, oh yeah, Taylor Swift is amazing. I love her songwriting. I love all this stuff. And then I I kind of like went along with it, like yeah, she's great, she's cool. But like me not really connecting with it at the time. Mm-hmm. It, but like so so after like um um you know after you know it's a high school crush. After that didn't pan out like mm-hmm. um like just having some distance away from it, like disconnecting from it. But then once I like, um, 
just like kind of like um but i've always had like a soft spot for her of just like oh she you, you know you said some stuff about her being like very corporate her being a machine and stuff like that um but like so i i like um i do think people sometimes can be very unfair in some ways of like um and like there are a lot of, lot of double standards and like um in a lot of ways i do like connect with some of like and not necessarily being a victim all the time but like sometimes that self sometimes that like self-pitying like self-aggrandizing just like oh no the world's against me sometimes i like, connected with that mm-hmm. um but yeah like after like college and after like once i kind of like there's like a lot of distance from that baggage i was i be, began to like enjoy on my own terms of just like mm. oh like she can craft a good pop song and like maybe it doesn't necessarily always have to be attached to this baggage of like and um i i personally prefer pop taylor like 1989 taylor than country mm-hmm. taylor i didn't connect with that um mm-hmm. what about you Ezra? like what are your what what were your what's your history of her a little bit uh so i really liked taylor swift when i was um like 12 and uh like, when she was first uh, kind of coming into the spotlight and, like, the country scene and stuff, um, like, I was obsessed with her first album and, like, her second album. And, uh, like, so much to the point that, like, I made sure to get the physical copies and I would, like, read the, um, like, little sleeve thing in the front, like, front to back and, like, was just... Uh, crazy about it and then um I kind of lost interest after the second album and Mm. uh like kind of as she started to go more pop and like I didn't even realize uh that I didn't even realize the stuff that she was putting out until like somebody told me that it was her because like I heard like I don't know in school or something like that um something from her red album like uh we're never getting back together or something like that mm-hmm. and uh then was like super shocked with like the direction that she had taken and stuff um and like i just wasn't interested because at that point like my music taste had changed from like what i was originally into with like the country stuff and it had like i wasn't really into the pop either so i just like wasn't really like didn't really want anything to do with her music and then um just throughout the years like seeing kind of like that uh stuff come to light like with her like being more corporate and stuff like that Mm -hmm. like I did feel like I had been duped in a way like when I was Mm -hmm. younger and uh I um yeah I just uh like kind of held some resentment towards her for that and for like the playing the victim and stuff and like Mm -hmm. the like, to the point where even uh, in, like, the Look What You Made Me Do video, she, like, uh, referenced, like, Kim Kardashian's, like, robbery and stuff like that. And, like, <laughs> it's just really, like, horrible, like, cringy, petty stuff that, mm-hmm. like, is that kind of guilty pleasure stuff to read about? Like, right. uh, mm-hmm. just, oh, my God, like, what the fuck kind of, like person is this but mm-hmm. uh, it's um so like i would kind of be keeping up with things that were happening like around the like 1989 era and stuff but i wasn't like really um that interested i guess mm-hmm. like uh but now like i'm giving her music a chance again because Andrew forced me to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like the thing I'm noticing is like it seems as though the reason like there might be a little baggage with some with the three of you there might be a little baggage is because there's a level of feeling duped little level of like oh I thought she was this but she's actually this where with me because I wasn't invested in her early on. I'm able to just see her for what she is. So she, and yeah, I could definitely see the studio machinery. And like, also like, cause I got into it more as an older person. I can mm-hmm. see the studio machinery, but also just know what it is and just appreciate what it does well and appreciate what it like does 
good. And I will say that there, like, I do think that there is kind of a double standard, um, like with like between her and a lot of other artists because, uh, like that is a very common thing in country music to, uh, like, kind of put on this face and stuff like uh i know uh we've brought up bo burnham's like sketch uh or like thing song whatever um about pandering and stuff before but like i feel like that hits the nail right on the head about uh like how a lot of country music is where like um they're talking about like this country life with like i don't know tractors and farming Mm -hmm. and all that shit and uh like most of them have never had, like, they've never lived that kind of life, and, like, they right. don't actually have anything in common with their, uh, like, core demographic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, Taylor Swift uh, kind of did the same thing. Like, she wasn't talking about, like, tractors and beer mm-hmm. and shit like that necessarily, but she was still, like, playing, like, country pop music, and she was, um, like just doing like a very modern style of it and talking about kind of like small town country life, like uh, coming from nothing, but like there's not really much difference between what she's doing and what these other artists are doing, but like yet she's kind of targeted for it and these other artists aren't. And I think that like a lot of that is highlighted in her song on this album, uh, The Man, because like a yeah. lot of these other artists yeah. who don't get that shit are men. And yeah, yeah. I, like, but I also feel like, it's, no, well, I also feel like it's like the cattiness though, too, turns me off. Yeah, like, for sure. How you mentioned that, like the whole thing with, um, Kim Kardashian. I mean, so many people. Yeah. All the feuds. Oh, but, but I so love it. It's so feuds, delicious. So, but yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, <laughs> I just feel like that also, it does kind of bug me because I feel like on one hand, she's like, Girl power. Marketing herself, yeah, as, like, girl power and, like, a role model and that kind of thing. But then at the same time, she gets mad when people call her out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, like, I definitely agree with these criticisms. It's just the criticisms about, like, her being corporate and, like, the early music stuff that I think that she's, like, kind of, uh, people are a little bit too hard on her about that. Mm -hmm. The other stuff, though, is (laughs) (laughs) well-deserved. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, well, let's get into, like, um, talking about this particular record and preconceived notions on that a little bit, like, um, this record in particular, um, so this is off the heels of the reputation era where she was like kind of being more dark and brooding and like uh very very much processing like the the fall the public fallout of Kanye, Kim Kardashian like phone recording and like and all that stuff. The reason I was like very like when I first like you know when the promotion kind of first started for this record, the reason I was excited for it was the fact that, it, like, even just, like, based on the color palette change of, like, from, like, black and white and, like, dark and, like, cyber and futuristic and metallic to, you know, pastels and, like, bright colors and, like, flowers and whatnot, mm-hmm. it felt like she was getting out of that zone. And that was, before any single was released, she was kind of, like, slowly promoting that, uh, this record. And she was, like, it sounded seemed like she was getting out of that zone and it was more exciting to me of like, okay, well, now she's going back to like this more authentic self, it, fe- it felt like, which was exciting to me. So like, that's what I was like getting into, like, with the record initially. Mm-hmm. Like, what about you guys? Like, what were your thoughts on it? Kathleen made a little joke in the show as well about we have like a moment where we're doing our... um our um, Tony speeches. Oh, right, right, right. And you reference um, Lover, the Taylor Swift jukebox musical. A la, you know, there's the <laughs> musical. What would Lover, the Taylor Swift yeah, musical? Yeah, and honestly, listening to this album, I was like, oh, this is to- this could totally be on Broadway. Like 40 years from now, somebody's going to win a Tony for playing Taylor It lends itself so well (laughs) to a jukebox musical, I think. This record will never get on the air. What's it called? 
the man, just like the style. <laughs> right, like, yes. yes. Still how, like, bad those, like, the expositional jukebox musical dialogue. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's get into, like, the themes of the record. Um, right after this break. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, hey, guys, it's me, Taylor Swift. That's right, the very famous Taylor Swift, the country music artist and the pop star and uh, the best friends of Selena Gomez. It's me, Taylor Swift. I'm just here to talk about a new web series called I Hate You Too. <laughs> That's the thing I say to Kanye West every single night when I call him on my phone, on my snake phone. Um, so me, Taylor Swift, I just want to promote this new web series called I Hate You Too, a comedy web series about two trashy millennial roommates dishing out the love and the hate. <laughs> Kevin and Allie may think they have golden futures ahead of them in Chicago, but only if they can ma manage their psycho mid-twenties. Whoa! That's right. My whole career from red to reputation to lover, that's been, that was my psycho mid-twenties. Boys only want love if it's torture. Remember from my song? So. This show stars Mindy Shore, Marlene Slaughter, Jordan Gleaves, Madison Freeland, and more. More than that? Is my buddy, is my arch nemesis Scooter Braun gonna show up? I hope not, that guy stinks. He's a bucket of turds, that guy. Scooter Braun, more like Sco Scooter Yawn. <laughs> That's the meanest thing I could ever say to that person. Uh, so, you can watch season one streaming on YouTube or Instagram, and all six episodes are available online for your viewing pleasure. So, here's the thing. It's ridiculous. It's current. And it's fun. What more could you ask of it? Add it as an endorsement from me, Taylor Swift. So, why don't you just shake it off and become a lover of this show? I'm Taylor Swift, and I'm Taylor Swift. Okay, and we're back uh, here to talk about Lover by Taylor Swift. Um, so let's get into the themes of the record a little bit. Just like what – so what do you feel like she's, like she's trying to say with this record per se? You know what? I think the title of the record – says it all. I think it says it all. <laughs> you know, like any other Taylor Swift songs, it's about, you know, relationships and like the, I, I a lot of her songs are also about like the mo like specific moments, like in like their courtship or in mm. dating, like, you know, we were riding in the, in the, the, the car or, you know, I remember when, you know, when the streetlights uh, told me that they don't know because they're yeah. anthropomorphic streetlights. <laughs> yeah. So at least for me, lyrics wise, that was a main thread for me. Yeah. But I also feel like a part of it too is like her like falling in love with herself. <gasps> mm. <gasps> Hashtag deep. What if the, yeah, right? her lover is herself? Because she's a little bit like haters back off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, she's like, you know, um, she's a little bit like, um, I like what I like kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'm into the London boys. And if you, if I was a man, you wouldn't give me such a hard time, everybody. I don't know. And then she, she talks about like her family a little bit. So I feel, oh, and what about me? I mean, come on. Me, he, he. Yeah. So I think, I think it's kind of like, <laughs> I have to love me first mm. before I can love you. As RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? Mm -hmm. I feel like a big part of this record, too, like, I 100% I agree with what you're saying. I feel it's like she, with this new, um, so she's dating this guy named Joe Alwyn, I believe. He's an actor. He's a British actor. He's in uh, The Favorite. He's, like, one of the tertiary characters in that movie. And, like, She's at this point where, like, her entire career, like, her love life has been very, very, very public. Like, everyone knows every single detail about um, about her love life. And with this record and with this relationship especially, she's tr really trying to, like, protect herself in that way. And, like, 
she she's come to this point where it's like, oh, like this is not necessarily for your consumption. This is like not this like relationship is I need to like I like you said, I need to love myself. I need to like take care of myself so that I can love this person, um, which is really cool. Um, and to me, it like it feels like Taylor at her most lovable and likable because she's doing her best to get over her two biggest character flaws, which is her obsessiveness with the past. Like she feels mm-hmm. this need, like she like oh. she, as much as like as much as like she blame she feels you know she sometimes will put herself in this victim role. She also like does blame herself. She does like put put herself in this unnecessary amount of like she does i imagine feel a lot of like shame and like a lot of shame for like who she is and like th- this need to like punish oh. herself but like it is like so like that's like um so she's like very haunted by her past she's very haunted by her mistakes and like her past relationships and her friendships that have gone sour all those things but it's also like her other character flaw that she's trying to get past in a sense is her self-obsessiveness like she's trying to get past she she's not there yet but she's really working hard to like get past those two things and to me that makes it this record very relatable and makes taylor herself more likable and lovable than she's been in the past where her past like kind of her past uh career moves have always been based on some level of conforming to what people want her to be in a sense of like with the 1980 with 1989 she was very much like everyone thinks i'm a boy crazy man eater type i'm going to like i'm gonna lean into it or like everyone think or reputation everyone thinks i am you know this this like snake this awful person this like backstabber i'm gonna lean into i don't care what you think well deeply actually very much caring about that where with this record it feels more like i don't need to do that anymore i just want to i just i'm just going to be who i am yeah which is really relatable like and lovable. Mm. yeah yeah it very much feels like she like she has uh cared so much about what people think of her and she's like every album up to this point she's been like trying to like make a point to people about who she is mm. and uh, say like, no, I'm really this thing or like try to turn it against people. And with the exception of you need to calm down, I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, she like uh, kind of shakes that off in this album and shakes she it off. like, Ooh, hoo, hoo. shut yeah. the fuck <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she like, um, it seems like she kind of finally like reached that point that she's been needing to for a long time where like she is like really trying to grow the fuck up and like uh just i don't know have true like introspection instead of like deflecting it onto other people like like in a childish sort of way, I guess. Like she's not, she's no longer doing that thing where it's like, oh, will you say this about me? Well, I'll turn that back on you and like mm. weaponize it or whatever. Like, and she's mm. not like, um, like it kind of feels like she's been like yelling to try to like hyper control her image for so long. And like now mm. she, is finally like taking a deep breath on this album. Like this is really great, like Rolling Stone article. I, I like it's a good read. Um, where or like maybe it's The Guardian or something like that. Where, um, after the, um, Reputation era, like, during that Reputation era of like, you know, when people were like everyone like kind of turned on her in a sense. She described it as like one of the most overwhelming things in the world. Like where everyone like kind of wants you to stop existing. And like, I can mm. only imagine what that's like on a big platform. She had, I, I don't think I could handle that. Like, I don't think I could handle like friends talking behind my back or anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so, but like she, the way she like kind of got through it was just like, instead of like fighting against it and like, she, Thought, she really thought about writing like a big manifesto saying this is why you're wrong about me this is why you know 
you know, but like she feel she decided not to do that and she decided to like just let that wave pass her in a mm-hmm. sense and just like get through this really hard time and like this record it feels like she's now she's like past it and now like now she's gone through and her image is like mostly rehabilitated in a sense like Kanye's the one who's looking bad these days um and um yeah it's like this is a tailor with nothing to prove in a sense and um this is it's a really lovely thing to witness i would say uh the other side the other like theme i'm noticing with this record is like she's kind of so she's been very apolitical in the past she's been very she's mm-hmm. kind of like avoided talking like really expressing who she voted for um she she's a she like um she like from you could kind of infer from like her politics and stuff that she's at least a democrat but like she never really was very outspoken about these things until this record like and um i guess like what do you guys think of like her um her attempts at being political with this record um, i mean <laughs> i just think she's you know like i said white feminist anthem i i'm not really um I don't know. I, I, I just kind of feel like it's a little, I think it's a little weak. Yeah. I, you know, at least on the, on the bonus, even if she is like dipping her toes into like politics, at least it's as a Democrat, because I feel like if she could be weaponized by the, the right oh, side, yeah. you know, cause like her main listener base are, you know, I assume to be white teenage girls and they're very impressionable. Well, white teenage boys are also impressionable, but I mean that she, she could easily have insidious lyrics that are like, you know, not so good. So right. at least it's like, kind of like, cause honestly I would like look at her and think, Oh, she's totally a Trump supporter. I mean, it just would make sense. Like right. she, she comes from a well, lot of wealth um and privilege and um you know her demographic i think would typically be a trump supporter but coming out against it i think i to be honest i was a little surprised because i just assumed that she probably Hmm. she and her family probably would vote for trump or even support trump Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i think a lot of his policies would benefit her and her family I think that's definitely the background that she comes from, but, yeah. like, she has, um, over the years started to, like, genuinely befriend, like, more and more, like, queer people and, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, people who are, like, more, um, entrenched in liberal culture because, like, it actually impacts them where it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily impact her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, I feel like this is a good, uh, transition, I guess, into the, mm-hmm. um, lowlights of the album, because yes. uh, <laughs> You Need to Calm Down is definitely the worst song on the album. Andrew and I have talked about this a little bit, like, beforehand, oh, yeah. that, like, it doesn't really have, um, a place on the album, like, just even in the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it doesn't necessarily, like, fit. But as far as the theme goes, like, um, as a certified queer, let me just give my mm-hmm. opinions. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's very, very performative. Um, it like is very like all over the place. Um, I think it's well-intentioned, but she also, um, didn't just make it about one thing. She, mm-hmm. uh, like chose to throw her own personal like petty beef with Katy Perry yes. in there and and uh then like in the video she um and there are a lot of people who have like spoken about this a lot more like in depth and more eloquently than I'm going to so like mm-hmm. uh google it find articles <laughs> like there are many out mm-hmm. there but uh because I can't talk about this forever um, I'm just going over it briefly. Uh, I didn't like how, um, in the video she had, um, like the protesters, like she fed into the, this like image that, uh, like 
people who um, are homophobic and transphobic and stuff, like, they uh, are, like, uneducated and, like, unhygienic and just, right. like, mm. gross. Like and they beards and stuff. Yeah, and they only look, like, one certain way, mm. but that's not true, mm -hmm. like, in right. practice. A lot mm -hmm. of them do look like Taylor Swift, actually. Yeah. And yeah, a lot yeah. of them can spell perfectly fine and, like, yeah. um, <laughs> are college-educated. And, mm -hmm. like, I just think feeding into that uh, narrative is, like, really harmful because then um, people think that it's not a thing that they have to worry about if they are um, in, not bad. like... like yeah, if they're not that, or if they're, like, in a certain um, region of the country, or, like, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really frustrating to see, like, somebody who has such a big platform to, like, reach a lot of impressionable people, like, mm -hmm. uh, just keep piling onto that. In general, like, I will say, uh, as far as her politics and stuff, like... Um, it's good that she at least doesn't like only leave it at that. Like she has started petitions and stuff like for like the equality act and mm -hmm. things yeah. like that. But I think that she could be doing so much more. Like yes. I really want to see people with her platform talking about um, the black trans women who are getting murdered. Yes. And yeah. so, like, yes. like that needs to, but that needs people like Taylor Swift who are not like, in those demographics to be shining a light on it because like it like people don't pay attention when it's only the people that like that directly impacts when it's only trans people speaking up about it or people out there. Right. Like, yeah. It's just frustrating. <laughs> yes, I I totally agree. And I feel like it's the the reason why is so um simple and it's that she wants to remain in that um, marketable territory, you know, she can't go that far exactly. because that might shake, shake things up. And that's, what's frustrating. Well, you guys were like talking about her being corporate and everything. And mm -hmm. like, I think that, uh, the fact that she released the song in pride month is so fucking like, fitting yes. because of what like pride has become and like how corporate mm -hmm. it is. She's like the fucking, uh, bank commercials of music. Like, right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, so, uh, I guess, uh, what are, what are some, like, uh, lowlights for you guys, uh, in this record? For me, orally, just, there were a bunch of songs that just blended together as, like, mm -hmm. a general wash of, like, this is a Taylor Swift song. Mm -hmm. Like, Cruel Summer, Cornelia Street, Afterglow, and Daylight. I was just like, uh, okay. Mm -hmm. They just didn't do anything for me, personally. It's nice to have a friend. It's a very annoying song. Mm. Like, it just the um it was like creepy nursery rhyme with a horn section a little bit yeah. i like the horn <laughs> section i think that that's totally brendan yuri influence since she's friends with him but uh, like the um general like tone of the song and like how repetitive it is i agree i was like is this annoying on purpose <laughs> and, I, and so I googled it, and I was like researching the song, and literally, like the thing that I that I read was that it's it's about her friends. Like, so, so lame. If you're gonna have a song about your friends, make it like a nice song, not an annoying, creepy nursery rhyme. <laughs> it is. It is. I will say it is a little like repetitive, and like um, it does. It is like it like um, not as like jarringly as what's it called um. Uh, you need to calm down, but like it doesn't quite fit in the. I would have preferred it just going from me to, I, me is a weak point for me. Like me is like a weaker song in my opinion, but it does fit with the record. Like I like the way it, the way it's not a good song necessarily, but like it gives the, it gives her lover quote unquote like a voice. It like Brendan Urie's playing the boyfriend character in a sense he's like give like so it's like making it more complete making it more of a reciprocal like oh these two are like you know these two like are messed up individuals but they fit together like it kind of works as like a penultimate song 
leading into daylight. But I feel like it's nice to have a friend is like, we're going to take a weird detour here now. Yeah, I think you could have it's yeah. nice to have a friend as the end or daylight as the end, but you can't have both. And daylight makes a lot mm-hmm. more sense, like as yeah, like to fit on the record than it's nice to have a friend does. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get into like some highlights of the record. Like, what are some like points that like you really actually enjoyed and really like resonated with you, if, if at all? For me, I really love like the fun songs when mm-hmm. she just lets go and has fun. Like mm-hmm. London Boy is so fun yeah, because it's just like stupid like London things. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked uh, <laughs> the foggy street. Like it's so true. <laughs> it, it, uh-huh. It's like you sit down and you write a list of like all like the fun London specifics, and then yeah. you like, put them together in a song, which I love. <laughs> I, love um, I also loved the songs where like there were some songs where she like. As soon as it started, I was like, this is a Taylor Swift song. Like, Paper Rings, it's like yes. that, that up-tempo. That yeah. And I also <laughs> really loved when she, like, um, song production-wise, when she, like, they had, like, different instrumentation and, diff- and like, they used some sampling. Like, I really liked the saxophone in, I think it was False God. And then when they, mm. and of course, going back to London Boy, how they like sample that um, th- at the very top, it's like Idris Elba talking about his scooter. Mm. Like, I really liked when, like, playing around with that. Mm. And I think it that made those songs feel way more fun and more enjoyable for me to listen to. Yeah, I, I um, Paper Rings, um, I agree. Like, it, that is like her at her best, I think, is doing like the fun, you know, like earworm kind of pop song. Um, and that one was super cute. Um, but you know what song I also really liked that I added to my running playlist <gasps> is The Archer. It's Ooh. a really good running song. Yeah, that one surprisingly grew on me. Like, I didn't yes. really like it at first, but... Uh, me neither, yeah. I think it's nice. It, it is like, what I do welcome any introspection from Taylor Swift. Like, even if it's not the most complex thought about yourself of, like, how... But, like, she's... On some level, she is, like, trying to make up for that victim mentality she's had in the past of, like, yeah, I have legitimately been a victim of terrible things that have happened to me. But also, I have been – sometimes that has led me to, like, act in a way that is, like, very self-sabotaging or self – like, mm-hmm. like self-destructive in a way. Or, like And has, like, broken really good relationships. Mm-hmm. And – I do. I really do welcome any and all introspection. Um, I think that should be encouraged. Ultimately, I uh, I agree. I love Paper Rings. Uh, I think it's like Taylor at her best. I love how the song kind of morphs and grows, and mm-hmm. like uh, it starts with the dooch dooch. Like starts very simple, mm-hmm. and then like grows into like this explosive thing, and then it like has this very gentle like I love shiny things. Da, 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 da. Like just like this very mm-hmm. self-reflective one, and then just like blowing up again. The only problem I have with that song is like a barber in a rush. That fade was too fast. So, yeah. So, is, is I liked how the bridge, it like modulated, like the, the bridge was in a different key, Ooh. which I feel like I never hear in a Taylor Swift song. It just yeah. felt like a very different kind of song than what she normally writes. Like an elevated Taylor Swift. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I also like um, kind of go lover is I feel like that's a song I would legit play at my wedding. <laughs> like that would oh, I was yeah. just, hey, I wonder I how love many that one. This oh, if that's going to be their first that's dance. That's a really good point. How many weddings is that Yes. Also, uh, I saw a tweet about uh, Lover that I thought was really funny um, that was talking about the line, uh, we could leave the Christmas lights up till January. Like, uh, <laughs> just that it's like this uh, really like scandalous like thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, this is what we can do. Like, this is bad. Like, nobody does this. <laughs> like, something to up your love January life. Christmas. Just like, <laughs> like, it's like a Cosmo tip. You could like, 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 it's a week. Uh-huh. Calm down. <laughs> uh, another highlight would be, uh, 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 thousand, what's it called? Like, uh, Death by a Thousand Cuts. That's my death top. By, yes. 
Yes. That one, like, that is the first Taylor Swift song, like, in a long time that has, like, made me feel anything. Because, <laughs> mm. like, I don't know, uh, it just brought me back to my 13-year-old self listening to Taylor Swift and, like, being emotional about it. Yes. Yeah. This would be the dramatic turning point in the Broadway show. <gasps> I really, I really resonate, I resonate with the line, um, if the story is over, why am I still writing pages? Like that is a, Ooh. she, like, I think, I do think sometimes like, because the singles are so weak, like me and, uh, you need to calm down even a little bit. The Archer, like the lyricism of those singles are so weak. I feel like Taylor doesn't necessarily always get credit for sometimes she has a really cutting and like cutting, like, and uh, like straight cutting. a thousand cuts. Uh, it, it, her lyricism is like really, really like on point sometimes a lot. Like, um, yeah, she's a really great lyricist. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, like the line uh, about the streetlights talking to her. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I do really up. unironically love that song, but there are some lines in it that are like really cheesy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other any other highlights uh, before we like kind of move to like uh, stray observations or anything like that? Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll talk a little bit about uh, daylight. Um, just like Please. I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that song a lot. I thought that it was like kind of the thesis of her album in a lot of ways, Ooh. and uh, it like really ties it all together because it. Um, I don't know. It is. Uh, it really signifies her like moving into this new era and everything like out of like this tumultuous like uh, relationship. I was about to say tumultuous turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was apt. It, it's apt. Yeah. Moving like out of that phase um, and kind of into like a phase where she's like more comfortable with herself and like, uh, like where she is a little bit more like fuck it and like, um, just able to allow herself to be happy and to like really grow and like be a person. I did have one more highlight that I wanted yes. to talk about yeah. before we're done with daylight. Um, so soon you'll get better. That one I did not oh. like at first, but like it really grew on me. Like yeah, it's so emotional and like you can, uh, I don't know, like listening to it, um like just more and more I could uh, just like feel like what she was singing. And uh, yeah, it was like very emotional, like in a very different way than death by a thousand cuts. Like this one, um, just for a little background, like she wrote it uh, for her mom um, who was diagnosed with cancer uh, four years ago. Um, And like, she, uh, I guess her mom was diagnosed in 2015 and then she was like re-diagnosed earlier this year or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And so, um, she like, uh, it's just kind of talking about like a lot of her feelings surrounding that. And, um, like, uh, I don't know. It's, um, a very different kind of emotion than like the typical like love songs that she has and stuff. And like, especially Mm -hmm. since she has had songs about her mom before, like uh, the best day and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like uh, this person who's like very important to her, like going through this, like it's just very sad. Um, and, the and then Dixie Chicks too. Yeah, yes. yeah, I know. Yeah, that was really a pretty element to add to it too. I was just going to say, and like a line that really resonated with me uh, was, "Desperate people find faith, so now I pray to Jesus too." Um, mm-hmm. Like because uh, she um, she does kind of come from this like more conservative background and stuff, and she does like have lyrics about God and like previous songs of hers and like, like in early songs of hers, but Mm -hmm. not in like things more recently. And so I think that she kind of like somewhere along the way, like did lose her faith, but Mm -hmm. like these types of events, like stir up that kind of stuff, like that kind Mm -hmm. of desperation, like of uh, just, even if you don't believe in God, like wanting to turn to God because like, 
that's something that's some sort of comfort and like I kind of relate to that because I've gone through a similar journey like I don't really believe in God but there are times that like my that like things have gotten so bad that I've like found myself like falling back into like old patterns mm-hmm. that like I grew up on mm-hmm. but yeah anyway what were you yeah. gonna say Andrew I think it's like I think that song um is it's very relatable because it's like trying to regain control in an uncontrollable situation like that like yeah she's she's trying like she's trying to be optimistic she's doing her best to like you know paint the walls neon and like you know make it be put on a smile and like she's she's willing to do anything to like regain like because like this is like having your mom like she's mentioned that like in an interview like she doesn't to have therapy like she doesn't do therapy and like she um her mom is like the closest thing she has to like someone who she can confide in truly beyond her boyfriend and so to lose her like the line who am i supposed to talk to what am i supposed to do it's mm-hmm. heart like again it's like she it's like that it's also that thing of like her trying to get past her own self-absorbedness in a sense of like she's trying to be there for her mom yeah Yeah. she does have a line in there too like about uh like i don't want to make this about myself yeah Yeah. and uh so that definitely speaks to that theme that you were talking about andrew like uh that she is trying to like she is very self-conscious about like that self-absorption and like she is like really trying to move away from that like especially in these situations but like really like who can blame her like everybody like anybody would have these feelings like dealing with a parent with cancer so like i don't know this song is just one of her most human i guess um any other stray observations on this record um i just want to say that uh like even if people don't want to listen to this album for whatever reason they should definitely like check out the uh spotify um like you know how like they have like the moving like picture things on there um on it's nice to have a friend and daylight the fucking like cutest fucking cat is on the cover of that that deserves a shout out (laughs) i haven't i haven't looked at that i'm gonna have to to double back on that Yes. (laughs) Uh, False God is about getting eaten out, it sounds like, a little bit. What? 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 (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, religion's in your lips, something, something between my hips. Okay, I'm gonna need to listen to the song again. I thought I liked it before, but I might like it even more. Um, <laughs> I mean, good for her, right? Like, good for her. Like, that's amazing. Like, I'm, I'm uh, just saying, in, I mean, I'm not as familiar with the Reputation era. I was like, I downloaded 1989, and I have a vague, like, understanding of her music before, but I feel like sexuality or, like, sensuality wasn't a very big part of her music. Mm-hmm. It felt very, like, not proper, but, you know, like, more focused on the romantic fairy tale aspect of a relationship yeah. than mm-hmm. like the sexual aspect and I I like how a lot of her lyrics <laughs> oh my god it definitely seems like she was like she had Ooh, no nice. uh, yeah she was like very repressed and stuff yeah. and like had no like worldly experience prior to 1989 right right well and I feel like partially because it's like more marketable like that she's like this like you know, maybe like virginal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, it's a love story. You know. Yeah. 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 Like it's like. Uh, 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 I'm just glad she's not dating DJ Khaled, who doesn't like. Oh right. Yeah. Oh. He's so yeah. 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 He probably just like shout his name down there and do nothing. So um <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, any other? <laughs> you should uh, be. Yeah. Uh, let's get into our final thoughts on the record. Uh, we should probably wrap this up. Um, I'm going to give it 8.2 paper cuts. Uh, I think it's a re- I think this is my favorite Taylor record, I would say. 
Um, I like how um, she she really is trying her best. I would say she really is doing trying her best to be a better person, trying her best to be a more loving and selfless person. And uh, even with even with every song, even if even the weaker songs, I always get something out of them. Like even uh, you need to calm down. I like the third verse about like we all have crowns. Like you, why are you trying to pit us against each other? We all have crowns. We all we're all incredible. Like um, I like that, and I also like the you know uh 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 uh. I love that bit too. Like vocally, like sonically, that sounds really cool. And um, every song I get something out of. Um, this is Taylor as most mature at her most mature at her most like um, well adjusted. I would say mostly well adjusted generally. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, like there are too many filler songs for me to give it like a nine or so, but, um, I think it's a really, really wonderful record. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) I am going to, uh, go ahead and to give this, I am going to give it a nine, uh, Indigo Eyes. Holy shit. I wow. did not expect her rated higher than me. Like, she's uh, not expecting that. Yes, yeah, so nine indigo eyes because that bridge oh. slaps. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like it is night and day from her previous stuff. Um, I do think that there is some filler stuff on there. There are flaws in it um, and uh, all of that. But, uh, and like, I am in my rating wholeheartedly ignoring that you need to calm down as even on the record. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I really like the growth that she's shown and like uh, just the more mature sound. Um, I uh, think that I am becoming a Jack Antonoff stan because like everything that uh, I hear that like he has any part in is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, really on this album, like, I can't stress enough, like, how uh, nice it is to hear her, like, being more comfortable, like, in herself and not, like, trying to prove anything to anybody. And, uh, like, even on songs that uh, aren't as, like, deep or anything like that, uh, like, Paper Rings and stuff like that, like, it is just really, uh, like upbeat and like super fun and like she just seems like very carefree and like it seems like she um like I really like how the color palette has even changed on this album because it Mm. does seem like she's kind of come out of this uh depression in a way and like she's actually finally like allowing herself to be happy and to like uh even like when she's not necessarily happy to like be content in a way and mm-hmm. to like uh just be like a real person that doesn't have to have like hyper control over everything and i can mm-hmm. only hope that her fans will take a like page out of her book um and like stop attacking people on twitter for saying anything about her I think I would give the album seven out of ten scooters. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Once again, uh, just circling back, I am a big fan of London Boy. <laughs> uh, I, for me, I I love fun pop songs. We were saying at the beginning of like our conversation about like you know it used to not be very cool to be into pop music or you know. It was, like, not hip enough, but I, I think I'm coming back to being just a fan of a great pop banger, and I I really think the album was the most successful when she was carefree and had fun, and I would like to have heard more of that, um, but I think that what she had fun, she did very well. Yeah. Well, I do, I love pop music myself, but I'm going to be the Simon Cowell of the group and give her... Four London Boys. Oh, she passed. Holy shit. Ooh. That's the lowest rating we've ever had on this. <laughs> I, just, um, I just think it's just, it's okay. There were elements that I thought had promised, but it's fine. That's it. 
All right, all right. Uh, let's get into our Ivan mean to listen to that. And I did. Playlist. Play yeah, there we go. Okay, so um, I'll start. I'll start it off. I'm gonna choose. Um, bu- 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 I'm going to choose. Uh, Grow as we go by Ben Aww. Platt. Oh, I love that's such a sweet song. You say there's so much you don't know. You need to go and He's so he's like the sweetest human being and like he's like um it's like that record is really resonant with me resonant with me because it's a it's about like being in love while having anxiety and while having like a great deal of like just like but like when you're when you love someone and when you like um uh, when you care for someone that deeply, like those things are quieter. Those things, those fears are quieter, and those things are like more manageable. And like this is him. This is a song about him imploring his, you know, potential partner to just like just come along with me on this journey. It's like really, really sweet. And it's also like he's a. Uh, it's also like refreshing to have. He's like I think he's one of my favorite male vocalists. I think ever his voice and, is unreal. It's so pretty. And just like, um, just like he's like, um, makes me question every life decision I've ever made. Cause I'm also 24 and, <laughs> I, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I would just like, um, so one of my favorites from the record and, uh, I think it's lovely. Yay. Yeah. Okay. So you need to calm down. It, Felt like it was being spun as the anthem of the summer. Mm. But I want to put in my anthem of the summer, which is my favorite pop um, jam that I am still jamming to. Charlie XCX has a <laughs> single where she collabed with Christina the Queens, who is my Ooh. favorite artist of all That's time. So good. Gone by Charlie XCX featuring what? Christina the Queens. I haven't heard this one yet. It's a jam, and what I also love is at in the bridge, it or at, right after the bridge, when you think like you know formulaically, it would go back to the chorus. Then it gets to like this like dance breakdown, and it's so fun. And that's my pick. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I I need to listen to that. Yeah. Okay, so my obsession lately has been Motivation by Normani. <laughs> Ooh, click. So, first of all, like, I went back and I watched her X Factor audition and, like, was literally crying because I'm so proud of her and how far she has come. <laughs> She's so amazing. Um, and her, this video, like, if you haven't watched the video or the VMA performance, like, you have to. Incredible. She, like, I cannot believe how talented she is and, like, how beautiful she is. Like, it's not, it's not real, like, how incredible she is. And, um, in addition to that, like, I was like, I really love this song. Like, just like the, I don't know, like, just like the, the beat, the way she sings it, like the lyrics and everything. And I was like, kind of like reminds me a little bit of Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande wrote on the song. <gasps> yes. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I heard about that. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was really cool that like Ariana Grande is like kind of like helping promote Normani a little bit too. So yeah, I just, I, I'm obsessed with this song. It's so good. And it's also a really good workout song. Ooh. All right. So um, I am going to pick a song by Miley Cyrus because I've kind of had um, yes. a similar relationship uh, to Miley Cyrus as I do Taylor Swift at times. Not like all the time. It's not mm-hmm. like one for one, but you know. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, choose uh, Slide Away. Oh, yes. So Click. good. I 
So, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I really like the, the sound of the song. Um, it's uh, kind of um, like addressing her uh, mm-hmm. like breakup after years and stuff. And like, it's uh, very emotional. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just ultimately trying to decide which Miley Cyrus song because there were like a few in my head. But <laughs> I love Miley Cyrus. <laughs> yeah, you both seem to light up at that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, too. and this song is like, oh, I, I felt so bad for her when she had her divorce, but... Her, yeah, her, and then, like, her house the burning fire. down I, and shit like that. My like, God, yeah, in Malibu. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, thank you so much, you two, for coming on our show. Um, uh, yeah, it's been great yeah, to have thank you guys. You. <laughs> Thanks for having Thanks us. Um. Yeah, so, like, we're going to conclude the episode by uh, writing down, like, a close, like, you guys uh, writing down, like, a closing sentiment in the chat box, and uh, we're going to read it all together. Three, two, one. You, you can't kill Thank you so much for showing up on our show. Have a good day. Click. Click. Yeah. Bye. Well, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, this was so fun. I don't think I would have listened to this album otherwise. I definitely wouldn't have. (laughs)